and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Hi, everybody. Hello. Eudaimonia. It sounds like, let me say it again. <laughs> Eudaimonia. But it's one word. It's it's one word. Eudaimonia. It sounds like Eudaman. Eudaman. Or, or Eudaimony. Or there's another pronunciation. Eudaimonia. So we have another Greek word for you today, guys. It's Those Greeks. <laughs> Eudaimonia. And Aristotle is joining us today again. As much as we can channel Aristotle, our friend to the art of friendship. All right. Eudaimonia is a Greek word literally translating to the state or condition of good spirit, which is commonly translated as happiness or welfare. Okay. The closest English word is probably flourishing. The word flourishing. Aristotle used it as a broad concept to describe the highest good humans could strive toward or having a life of flourishment a state of well-being is what it is an example of eudaimonia was like it was achieved through being virtuous living a virtuous life but isn't it bigger than that so let me just keep going and we can get into it so virtue is moral excellence to allow something to act in harmony with its purpose that's interesting if you think about it with friendship, allowing something to act in harmony with its purpose. So don't put anything on someone. Don't put anything on the friendship. Just allow it to see what its true purpose is. Maybe this person is not your true friend. What is the purpose of them being in your life? Right? Just look at it objectively. So anyway, let me go on. An example of something virtuous, like having a virtuous life would be an artist or in this case the definition i found was like a virtuous carpenter okay in their trade virtue would be excellence in artistic eye having a steady hand having patience working with creativity that is virtuous that is having a eudaimian life or perhaps eudaimonious life eudaimonious so having a eudaimonious eudaim I don't know. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Having a eudaimon life is one dedicated to developing a Oh my God. A eudaimon. <laughs> no, I can't say it anymore. A eudaimon. You're thinking too much. A eudaimon. A eudaimon life is one dedicated to developing excellences of being human. So Aristotle would say, this means having and working with the virtues like courage, wisdom, good humor, kindness, compassion, etc. Okay. Some of, okay. So now this part, it's so funny because people take Aristotle perhaps too literally, I think is what's happening here. But I was reading how people take Aristotle's conclusions to be really awful because he said he believed that ugliness 
And we talked about ugliness on another episode, remember? But he believed that ugliness was a hindrance to developing practical social virtues like friendship because nobody would be friends with an ugly person. So whoever, Ouch. Well, whoever, whoever read this, I think, thought immediately you have to have a certain aesthetic. You have to be blonde and thin or whatever, whatever the way of looking beautiful is in our society, whatever is in vogue in that time period. But what I think, what I know he's talking about is you can't have friends if you're ugly ugly in spirit. How many times do I tell this to the girls? You can meet someone like you think you're true love, right? And they're so beautiful, handsome, whatever. That in an instant goes away when they're acting ugly, when they're ugly on the inside. But if you're beautiful on the inside, you're always beautiful in all ways. A person that acts ugly is ugly. 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 Right? So, so don't turn your book by its cover. And by the way, let's point out that a famous, another famous ancient Greek, Socrates, legendarily ugly, hmm? physically. Big was old bulbous really? nose, I kid you not. Well, that doesn't mean they're ugly. See, well, He that's... was described as legendarily ugly <laughs> as far as his physical appearance. Poor baby. That's <laughs> terrible. But he's legendary, so... Is that kind of like, um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking out on his name. De Bergerac? Yeah, Cyrano de Bergerac. Perhaps. <laughs> That's terrible. But like, yeah, ugliness gets in the way. But anyway, I think I'm veering away from you. De- you oh my God, here we go again. Eudaimonia or eudaimonia. Mm-hmm. We were harping on really the recipe of it, which would be to be true, to be good, to be beautiful. And now having discussed Aristotle and beauty, I think beautiful, we now can be on the same page with in this episode as we talk about beauty. It's a beauty as in spirit, correct? Right. right. It's, okay. it's, not the, it's not the skin deep stuff. It's funny because this whole eudaimonia came about because I was reading a book which came recommended and then I started reading it. I'm like, guys, to my friends, I'm like, oh my God, this book is so good. And they're like, yeah, we've known about this book for years. Don't you hate that? <laughs> like you think you come up with this really primo whatever? Well, I didn't come up with it. A teacher recommended but, it. But still, it's like, it's like you mention it and they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I read that like four years ago. Thanks. Yeah, well, and then they have it around their house and apparently like KJ this is her gift to her friends every year. Like she'll give this book as a gift to everyone. You need to get her gift list and like buy all those books, <laughs> buy all the stuff on her, like Oprah's list. Just buy it. We should have a KJ list of gifts. This book was recommended by a teacher and he was saying that he reads it every Christmas, every year. Interesting. And it's interesting because when I said, Oh my God, Beth, KJ, have you guys read the, You guys should read this book. It's great. And they're like, yeah, we have that book. <laughs> and then immediately KJ snaps some, some shots of her coffee table, like in her living room. And she's mm-hmm. like, see, it had all these uh, tabs in it and all these notes. She's like, yeah, no, I read this four times a year. I'm like, wow. Four times a year. So people read this over and over well, come again. On, get to the point. All right. The book is called, first of all, it's called Big Magic. And it's by Elizabeth Gilbert. Who's that? You know, Eat, Pray, Love. Oh. 
she wrote that. Okay, so she was talking about uh, genius. She was talking about in this the portion of the book which brought about eudaimonia. She was talking about how it wasn't until the Renaissance that we took on the quality of genius as us. Like this person is a genius, but before that, it was thought of as uh, a spirit, an entity that whispers to you that comes in and out it's not you so it's a collaboration with you and this force and so she started talking about in ancient greek the highest degree of human happiness is eudaimonia which basically means well daemon and when i first read that i'm like is that a demon is it is it what is daemon well it depends context is all important uh, daemons actually, I, I first found out about those way back programming. They're in Unix. People create these things that just run in what, the background. Hold on. What is Unix? What, is, what are you talking, oh, talking sorry. about? sorry. Unix gave birth to Linux. It's not, if, forgive me, technical. It's an operating system like Windows 10 or 11 and or uh, Mac OS X, Unix. So in college mainframes ran Unix. Life was simple. And now computers run Linux, which is kind of the same thing. But forgive me, it really isn't, but we're not going to get into that. But a daemon is a program that just runs in the background. He's just hanging out there and he does things for you. He's almost like a servant, which is interesting. I'm going to read from this little paragraph of her book. She goes, this other word, uh, daemon is Greek. Um, the degree of human happiness is eudaimonia, which basically means well-damoned. And she goes, that is nicely taken care of by some external divine creative spirit guide. And she says, modern commentators perhaps uncomfortable with this sense of divine mystery, simply call it flow or being in the zone. Right. Right. And she goes on to say, but the Greeks and the Romans both believed and the idea of an external daemon of creativity. She talks about how they believed that a house was inhabited by an elf or a spirit. This is roughly translated by myself because I don't want to totally just read from her book. Mm -hmm. Someone who, who helps you with your work, with your creativity, with your labors. Right. The Romans had a specific term for that helpful elf, if you will, and they called it your genius your guardian deity, the conduit of your inspiration. The Romans believed that when a person was gifted, they had a genius. They believed that they had a genius, that you weren't a genius, that you had someone working with you, this genius. Which is interesting because the Greeks also give us the idea of the muse, right? Exactly, So the yeah. muse whispers, in your, whispers secrets in your ear, perhaps. So she gets into the whole psychology of construction. This caught my eye. The subtle, important distinction of being versus having. Of being versus having. And I think of friendship. The idea of being a friend versus having a friend. It's kind of the same genius concept. You are a friend. And what is having a friend? You have to be the friend. You can't just have a friend. You know what I mean? Of course, it's a two-way street, but I also think about being a genius versus having genius. Exactly. Because you're exactly. painting this really straight line for me right now. Right, right. Okay. So having painted all of that, let's talk about 
eudaimonia or eudaimonia and daemon and how that could be a good recipe for having really good relationships having connections with people it's about virtue it's about the true the good and the beautiful right absolutely back to my man socrates okay socrates had a daemon he used to describe his daemon and it would talk to him really yeah seriously okay tell me well, no, that's basically all I, <laughs> that's, that's all I know about that. No, no, no. Um, honestly, I think that that's what led him down his kind of oratory path. It's almost like he would have conversations with the, with the daemon. Supposedly he could shred anybody debating them, which is a scary thought, right? Because he would carefully lay a trap for the other person very slowly by asking lots of questions. And he'd finally like, tie him up in a place where they couldn't answer his question with all the facts they had previously given him so they'd have to run away and be upset oh my god i have a teacher right now an amazing art teacher vanessa from storyteller academy mm -hmm. and she always says she talks to her characters when she's drawing them absolutely and she's like what kind of hairstyle do you want today what do you want to wear today what do you you know she talks to them well, so it's a way of breathing more life and making these more real because they are, they start out as very one-dimensional characters. It's only through time that they gain more dimensions. And the same thing happens with the people in your life too. Explain. Well, you first meet somebody, it's like, okay, let's pretend, you know, let's pretend I'm on the bus and I'm sitting now next to somebody and I notice that they have a... I don't know, whatever. They're wearing a, a shirt from a sports team I'm fond of. So I engage them in a conversation. Now, all of a sudden, they went from being just a, literally kind of a gray figure, just a person around me, and they've now gained a dimension. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to the game tonight. And you're like, oh, that's cool. And then maybe I have an extra ticket or who knows. And all of a sudden now they start to gain more dimensions and then you learn more things about them. So all this because of what they were wearing? All this because of one thing. Uh, Whatever that one thing is. Did they choose to react to me? Are they reading a, a given book? Are they looking at a given movie? Are they, you know, it's a question of who they are. And sometimes people are just nice, but there is no real connection. But you still man they still manage to become, gain more dimensions. Right, having some kind of connection. Right. Yeah, like, um, yeah, one of the people on my team right now, super nice guy. And we're, we're slowly starting to learn about each other. I really don't think we have anything in common, and that's fine. So we're probably going to stay in kind of this weird acquaintance zone. But, uh, and your, your brow's furling a little bit to that, isn't it? No, I was just thinking, could I truly get along with someone that I have absolutely nothing in common with? And I was first thinking, yeah, because I would be interested in something I don't know. Uh, or, perhaps, you know, yes. I would like to stretch myself. Right. But then what if, what if, what if, what if, that's why my brow was furled. Right. Because I'm like, well, what if they're an extreme political view from me right now? Mm -hmm. And I never thought I would be a political type person where meeting someone, their politics would be... Um, a so deal offensive. breaker, a deal breaker for me. Right. But I have reached that point. Right. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there have been one or two uh, personalities in the field of music I listen to who have done some things that aren't cool. And it's like, will I ever listen to them again? I don't think so. But we'll see. And yeah, and that's the that's been the topic of discussion. What do you do when you have people in your life that 
are great geniuses. But then you find out, wow, these are some horrible people. If you think of artists, they've created masterpieces, great works of art. But then you find out that they did some horrible things. Well, do you, do you hate their genius? Is Their genius is not them. Do you hate their work and ban their work? Or do you just see them as separate and say this is an awful person? How many artists are there out there that we've had to perhaps cancel like throughout history? Was Dr. Seuss one of them? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But like, I don't know why Dr. Seuss came to mind. I really don't know. Please forgive me. Let's scratch. Let's let's leave Dr. Seuss out of this. But like when you hear a musician, like let's take Michael Jackson, right? Ah, there People you go. are banning his music. Like don't listen to his right. music. Well, there's, there's an uncomfortable narrative to Michael Jackson's life now. Yeah, but his genius is now guilty by association. So anyway, same thing. Like, do I, can I be friends with someone that is so different and so diametrically opposed to everything I believe in? Am I getting off track? No, absolutely not. And, you know, I, I have to say that I, I work with people with uh, challenging political beliefs, let's just say. But we do have something in common because the work we have in common and we can share the work and we can share the knowledge that we gain and we can share that kind of stuff so we can still share. Am I planning on going over to so-and-so's house for barbecue? Nah, probably not. Might I meet him for lunch? Yeah, probably would. This would be a type one or a type two kind of a friend based on our understanding of the Nicomachean ethics. So we're not going to love them for everything that they are. We're not going to love this person just the way they are. Right. It's a superficial friend. It's a give and take, I think, relationship. I don't think it's one that is your bosom buddy. No, not at all. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's disappointing. Like, you know, like I've been saying, I've been going through that myself, even Mm -hmm. though I know this stuff and I find out, oh man, another one bites the dust. Here was a friend that I thought was my like soul mate friend. Right. I'm like, oh man, they're really not. You know what I mean? They're like, they're in it for something else. And I was in it with my a completely open heart, always there. And then realizing this person is not reciprocating deep down. They're in it for some other reason than right. the pure love of it. That's it. I'm sorry. That's what I've been going through. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hard. It's devastating. I, I totally get it. That's why I'm, I think I'm more measured and careful. And I just maintain a curiosity. When I run into somebody who I don't have a lot of common with, it just sparks my curiosity, frankly. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, I'll find those points of intersection and I'll see where we can communicate and where we can be happy. And I know for sure I'm going to learn a little little sum-sum from this person. And that makes me happy. Yeah, well, you're thinking about it, whereas me, I'm just diving in, you know, and then I'm in the waters. I'm like, oh, my God. What have I gotten myself into? Right. And it's hard to get out of it. Yes. Right. Because you've invested your time, your energy, your spirit into it. And you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be proven wrong. Like, oh, I thought this, this was this, but it's really not what I thought. And it's hard to see the truth sometimes. It's painful. It is for sure. But that's why I do like stupid things. Like if I notice that I'm the one who's always calling, then I'll stop and see what happens. I know. I noticed that, but 
even that is painful for me. You can let it go. Me, it's been months that I'm like, oof, I really got to work on not calling this person. <laughs> you know, it's horrible. I get it. I totally get it. But can we get back to eudaimonia? Yes. So living a virtuous life, like being of a virtuous type person, mm-hmm. that's the true way to connect. So even if this person is not your true friend, right? Right. You're not. And let's say someone acts ugly or is ugly like mm-hmm. that, right? You're not going to act like that. Don't play that game. You're going to stay within your own virtue of doing things with excellence. Well, I would you're, say... You're going to have a flourishing life. I would say I do these things. I'm not going to project that on someone else, though. No, I'm saying one would when okay. I say you. Okay. I'm sorry, one... Should or could? One... One should always have one. Uh, the should word is so bad, but one. <laughs> okay, to be a virtue, just just I think the best way to live is to live with virtue, which means to have a flourishing life. So you're still going to do things with excellence. You're still going to behave with excellence, whatever that excellence is for you, and you need to stay with that as your center, as your center point, and move with that. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Why are you quiet? Well, I, mm, <laughs> I like being quiet. No, um, totally. I totally agree with that. And it's about also moving forward, not only virtuously, but with integrity. Yeah, exactly. And, and not second guessing. I'm careful of my heart. So I, I go forward virtuously. When people come to me with a question, I don't make them feel small in any way. And we we sort out the answers together. And I'm very open when I'm coming to you for help, saying these are the things I don't understand. Or it was funny, I was going through this this week. These are the things that make me uncomfortable with this code I just wrote. You know, let's talk about it. So I literally show off the warts first. Whereas I'm just thinking about it like back in the day when we would have friends over, I would, you know, it was funny noticing people's reactions because we we all every family member from l to allegra to me to you we would what's happening with my voice i don't know (coughs) oh my god (laughs) whoever stepped through that threshold we would do our very best to give them our best whether it's the best morsel of food to the best place to sit in the house, in the apartment, whatever, in our home, to like just giving them our best. And did you notice that some people were uncomfortable with that because that's not how they lived? Right. You know, like they were like, oh, why did you make all this food? Like they felt guilty, (laughs) right? Because that's not (laughs) how they live. And that should have been a good sign for me right there. Maybe. To, but, to, to me, it was always like, you know, if they were invited into our home, that's certainly, that's a more central area of the onion, as it were, as a, uh, for my personality than totally. just talking to somebody on the phone or meeting somebody out in, out in the ether, out in space somewhere. It's interesting as we're talking about this, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> but regardless of that, I'm still going to do my best. I'm still going to live with my own virtues of preparing the most beautiful meal, I'm going to invest my time and create a beautiful cake that requires a lot of investment. I'm still going to do all these things because that's my virtue. That's my heart. 
And because I've been hurt or because other people are ugly, I'm not going to change those values that right. I hold. And I think that's the key. And for me, I'm still going to have an open heart and dive off the cliff into a relationship because that's that's how I am. I, I don't think I could guard my heart if I r- tried really, really hard. And I have, but I end up still like, like opening up a jacket like a, like a flasher, like here I am, you know, in my full glory, you know, because I don't have time to play games. I'm like, this is me. I'm going to love you. And if you're going to be ugly, well, I guess I'm going to get burned, but I'm still going to go with an open heart. So do you think I play games? No, I don't. I just think you're more, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a female male thing. We've talked about this before on our other shows, but I don't know if it's a man woman thing, but I think you're more able to be more deciphering. I can't judge, but you're, no, you're not, you're not, you're not playing games, Matt. I know you're not (laughs) playing games, but you're able to be more, what's the word for it? Like you can, you can decipher by just looking at someone what the truth is. Whereas I want this beautiful fantasy world and I assume the best in everyone and you will just see everyone as they are. Whereas I see them in their highest capable realm spirituality. I I totally get it. I also think it's because I'm remarkably good at compartmentalization though as well. So I'm very careful. I'm very careful at what I show as well. And that's why you're able to thrive in business. Whereas I, why do you look so unhappy? Oh my God. People when yeah, I, I folks, if you've heard other episodes, you know, I always get fired from jobs because I look unhappy. You don't look happy, Vaughn. And they'll say that over and over again to push me out. (laughs) And yet I get when I quit, we had no idea. (laughs) And it's because they're not paying attention by the way. Cause I always, I always leave hints. I always make sure that they understand. And if they go back and really take a good hard look, they can sort it out. Right. People don't listen. Remember when we would say we're moving we're moving to Washington. People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when moving day came, and we would tell them every day or every mm-hmm. time we saw them, and then they, they saw us moving, they were so shocked. And so not only shocked, but they were offended. We're like, dude, we've been telling you. We're moving. Well, you know, like people, because people don't take action on what they say. Well, and also, though, people believe that virtue the virtuous life that they've chosen to lead is universal. And there are certain virtues, I think, that are universal, being flipping kind to people. Uh, you know, certain there's certain certain naughties out there, like, you know, somebody who's filled with rage and always, like, attacking people, not virtuous. So there are certain universal virtues, but people believe that exactly the way they live is the virtuous life. And it's not. You know, you you'd have a hard time arguing that a, a, a monk high in the mountains of the Himalayas isn't living a virtuous life. But that looks nothing like the life I'm living. Right. What is happening outside our window? It's so noisy out there. There's some kind of a bike thing going on outside today. We live close to one of like two major roads in our little town. Um, so anyway, that's the noise outside guys. Sorry about that. But so, Whistle, whistle, whistle. (laughs) We should do a whole show on virtue because 
that's a that's a big subject right there. It is. Um, what are the true universal virtues, though? Is it the three things? My goodness. Honesty, goodness. True good and beauty. Beautiful. True good and beauty. I mean, beautiful? that's you people, but you can argue for when I used to play <laughs> Ultima, which is a computer game. I mean, they, they went through sacrifice, justice, valor, and there was like five others that they cared about, which were interesting. And, and definitely virtues. It's like, what's the greatest virtue and blah, 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 blah. For those of you who haven't played Ultima 4, the answer is infinity, but God knows why. So can we, I, I feel like I want to make this short. you have anything else I'm you want to say? I'm done with Damon's yet. Oh, please go on. Oh my goodness. So not only was Socrates talked to by, by a Damon, but, and now we're going to get into some, a, a little bit more kind of sensitive matter because I want to talk about Goethe's um, Faust. Dr. Faustus, who sold his soul to the devil. All right. Do wow. Tell. Hectic. On. This, is, this is like medieval <laughs> style, happened? Germanic. But basically, this demon, not daemon, demon whispers in his ear. So do you think that's related, a daemon and a demon? Well, Christians have, the, have this nasty habit of turning all the gods and spirits and whatever into devils. That's what I'm gonna, they do. I'm going to find out what the etymology of demon is it's probably coming from the i mean the word is perilously close right and it's very negative and devil is certainly not a good thing either oh my god until you look at a beautiful show like lucifer oh my god i, I never thought i was good for folks, the devil the show folks well and and there's there again is is a challenging yeah you can make some interesting philosophical Philosophic arguments back and forth on that. But even Lucifer like is about... the nature of good and the nature of evil. The, yeah, I mean, Lucifer... But back to my point. Okay, I'm sorry, go My ahead. goodness, just, so, psh, just take right, it. All right, all right, all right. Another I told show. You, I told you you talk about Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so at the end of the book, uh, Faust, he's, he's in hell. He's effed completely, Dr. Faustus. He's like done. But in the process of his life because he sells his soul to the devil really early he goes through a humongous mischievous period where he just messes with people like he messes with the pope seriously dang and i'm i'm you know i'm not trying to paint a value judgment here i'm not trying to say what faustus did dr faustus did was good bad or indifferent what did he do to the pope i don't remember i just remember he messed with the pope okay but anyways but he got wisdom from mephistopheles and more, I guess, importantly, what he did before he died was he set up all of his descendants. He got a whole bunch of money and he set them up. Like, what do you mean set them up in a bad way or in a good way? Rich. Oh, I see. You know, he, he took care of them. He did something that you might argue is virtuous. Uke? You would oh, me? argue oh, I is see. virtuous right. by setting them up. I see. Even though he damned himself to hell for eternity. Well, being it's a, a virtue, challenging story. Being a virtue doesn't necessarily mean that it equates to success or happiness. It means doing the right thing. And did he do right by his descendants? Well, money is needed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's 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 challenging and it's tricky. So, you know, was he visited by by you know what the Greeks have called that uh, being visited by a daemon? Because I mean, you can certainly argue again. That Socrates, who talked about his personal daemon, who talked to him, landed him in a heap of trouble. Because, of course, we, we know the story of Socrates, and we know how he ended. But 
it's just tricky. It's just something to ponder and think, think over, honestly, and try trying so hard not to pass a value judgment on it. But it is interesting. I'm fairly sure that took us way off topic. No, it's not off topic. That was good. Anyways, a eudaimonious life is one where I think, for me personally, I would think it, it starts really boiling into a... Of course, inner Popeye, because that's what everything boils into, really understanding and knowing yourself and then taking it to the next level and trying to understand that your, at least for me, my best self is that where I'm helping others. And part of uh, a eudaimonious life is that feeling that you get from helping others, like donating to charity is one of those like very clear cut, I'm helping others without a thought as far as what I'm going to get. But see, it's, yeah, but it's also without a thought. When you're donating to charity... It's not without a thought, though. I'm saying it's without a thought of what I get out of it. No, I know, I, I understand. But I feel like like we heard someone talking about their idea of connection is cooking for someone. I'm, I'm talking about totally investing and sharing something that is good and beautiful. That's the way to have true eudaimonia. Well, yes, I would say on a in front of me kind of a way. I was just trying to mention that we get that happy feeling yes. from helping others, even when I might be so disconnected from them. Isn't it interesting? Why do we feel so good when we help others? Isn't that really interesting? Well, Think about it. Why? Because we're really helping ourselves too, but because we're all one, if you, sorry, I'm going to take it to my hippy dippy side because we are all interconnected. We're all one. There is no separation. So when you're helping, you're creating that bond. The, it's, a, it's about the concentric intersecting circles of energy, right. <laughs> of love. But I don't know. It feels like you're being too, ironically, too logical about the whole thing. What? It just feels good to do good. I'm trying to understand where, really, where does that good feeling come from? Like, why is that there? See, and I just describe that as analysis paralysis, folks. All right. All so right. It, it can just feel good to feel good. Just feel good. All right. You know, take, we the, just leave take, it at that? take the hedonist approach once in a while. <laughs> just feels good. Let's do it. All right. Let's just feel good. Do it to feel good. There you go. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> but watch your virtue, folks. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time in just a few days. Thank you for listening. We're trying to make the shows a little bit shorter. We're hoping you don't listen to double speed like I listen to things at double speed. But um, if you do, you're going to be in trouble right now. (laughs) I can't. You see, we can't even we, we have to learn from those auctioneers how they talk really fast. But anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Please tell everyone about what we're doing here with the Art of Friendship. Go to ourfriendlyworld.com. Please subscribe. Ask your friends to subscribe. What are you pointing to, Matt? Uh, what? And you should probably mention that this book, Big Magic, is kind of a cool book. I already did. I know, Big Magic. nice to say it again. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the guidance and... The magic is, is uh, would bleh, would you say uh, you the man? You the man. <laughs> you the woman. You the monia. You the woman of Mamalonia. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. Bye. Bye bye.